Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. The world will tell you you're too young to do something until one day you wake up and they tell you you're too old to do something. So if you wait until the world finally says, okay, now it's your time, then you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities and a lot of growth experiences. As a loyal Best Ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever to get started today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. Today is Friday. Follow along Friday. We've got a very helpful episode for apartment syndicators or any syndicators. People looking to raise money and buy something with investors. And we've also got an episode that's going to be helpful for passive investors to help understand the inner workings of deals and thought process of general partners. How are we going to do this, Theo? So um, when we're starting off in our investment careers and let's say we're buying apartments with our own money, experience is important. Finding the proper team members is important. But once we transition into using other people's money, another factor comes into play, which is our own personal credibility. We can use our own money to buy deals. And of course, we want to have credibility to find team members, but we don't need credibility ourselves to use our own money. For me, for example, I just jumped right into real estate without really any experience at all. Whereas that's not going to work if you're raising money from people, because when they ask you what your background is, what your experience is, have you proven that you can do this? If you say no, then why would they trust you with their money? So mm-hmm. I'll, I know a big question we get from a lot of people that want to be apartment syndicators and raise money is how do you show that credibility to your investors? And I know from your personal experience, you've got some ways that you've done that in the past. And we've also kind of come together with a list of, of five ways in total with increasing levels of alignment of interests um, to show alignment of interest to your investors. Absolutely. 
I believe I've done all five things on the list. I don't have the list in front of me, but I know you and I created it together, so I'm pretty sure I have. I'll give commentary about each of them and mention a personal story if I have done it, which I'm pretty sure I have. As you mentioned, yeah, I mean, this is one of the challenges that everyone will come across unless you were born in a real estate investing family and you grew up in the business and perhaps your family got you in on some rentals early on and it's not as much of a necessary thing to establish credibility because you've already been raised with credibility through your circumstances. But for most people, it's something that needs to be established. And unfortunately, we can't just create credibility. We have to, fortunately, be resourceful enough. And I say fortunately because that's what will help separate us from our competition if we're resourceful enough to establish alignment of interests with other parties in the deal to show our investors that, hey, we might not have all of the experience that's necessary, but here's the team that we have in place and the alignment of interest we have with the team so that you can piggyback on other people's experience to then do what you need to do. Because I like to say, I heard this in some seminar, I don't remember which one, but the world will tell you you're too young to do something until one day you wake up and they tell you you're too old to do something. So if you wait until the world finally says, okay, now it's your time, then you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities and a lot of growth experiences. So with that being said, we can kick it off and get into number one. Number one, you've already kind of touched on and the lowest level of alignment of interest in this hierarchy that we're going to discuss, not low as in it's not worthy, but compared to the other ones it's the, at the bottom. And that's just simply bringing on a team member who has credibility, has the proven track record doing exactly what you are going to do, which means apartment syndications, but also implementing the investment strategy you're doing. So if they're a value-add investor like Joe is, then whoever that team member is, I'll mention who they are in a second, needs to have experience doing that. And before I pass it back to you, Joe, the team members are the property manager, which would be the highest level of alignment of interests. Below that would be a consultant or a local owner who, again, is active in the investment strategy that you're following. And then directly below that would be the real estate broker who has experience selling or I guess listing the exact type of property that you are working on. Okay. So these would be team members that we would bring on just as, hey, we have these team members who have decades of experience and they're not in the deal, yes, but they are working with us on the deal. Is that correct? Correct. And that's an important distinction because we'll get into other alignment of interest where they're actually in the deal, not with us versus just working on the deal. So in versus on is very important distinction. And what's the crack in the foundation with this alignment, Theo? Well, they don't necessarily have any of their own skin in the game financially is the biggest, the biggest crack. Obviously this is better than me having no experience managing the property myself, being the broker and not have any consultant. So this is better than that. However, it's not the best because as you mentioned, there's a big crack, which is the lack of financial skin in the game. 
Yeah, because I'm going to pretend that I'm just starting out. I've got my single family homes and I feel confident enough to bring in private investors. I'm confident enough, but I don't have the experience. And then I go find an experienced property management company. I go find an experienced consultant and I go find an experienced broker and I go find a deal. And then my investor says, oh, this deal looks pretty good, but you've never done this before. And I say, but these people have. And then the savvy investor says, but they don't have any of their own money in the game. They don't have any money of the deal. So yeah, they are experienced, but if the deal goes south, they're not losing money. I am. You are. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. So this can be beneficial, but as you mentioned, it's the lowest level of checking the box from a alignment standpoint because they don't have their own money in the deal. Exactly. Which brings us to the next level up alignment of interest. You have your experienced team member, whether it be the property manager, the broker, and or a consultant, and you offer them equity in the deal. So the reason why, obviously this is better than just bringing them on because they are incentivized to screen the deal property, qualify the deal properly, and operate the deal efficiently so that they themselves can make money. But as you kind of already mentioned, they don't have their own money in the deal. And I know that we've talked about this on a couple of episodes before, but the story about someone would much rather not lose money than to make money. I'm not sure exactly what the numbers were, but basically it is a capital preservation and like saving their own money that they have is more important than actually making money. In this case, they have the opportunity to make money, but their own capital isn't necessarily at risk. Yeah, as someone who had nothing, then became a multimillionaire, and then went back down, and maybe they lost everything in 2008, and then has nothing again, ask them what was harder. The first time when they didn't have nothing and didn't know what it felt like to be a multimillionaire, or the second time when they were a multimillionaire and then went back down again. Mm -hmm. They're going to say the second go around going back down again because they got a taste of the golden apple. They got a taste of what it was like to have a lot of money and then they didn't. And conceptually, that process or that concept holds true with a dollar. If you have a dollar and someone takes your dollar or you lose your dollar, misplace your dollar, you're more disgruntled then you would be excited if someone just gave you a dollar. And as far as the equity piece, so this is the second level, when I interviewed Carlos Vaz, and I've mentioned his interview a couple times, Carlos V-A-Z, if you search his name, Joe Fairless, you'll get the interview. And I'm sure Grant, if you're following on Facebook, then Grant will post a link to it. He found the deal. He didn't have the money. So he researched local owners and he ended up giving a whole bunch of equity to a local owner who owned an apartment building next to the one he had under contract. Mm. And he gave that local owner a whole bunch of equity. But so what? Whatever you need to do to close the deal. And from an investor conversation standpoint, it's certainly helpful to show that others who have experience have equity in the deal they may or may not say, okay, they've got equity in the deal. Are they investing their own money in the deal? If they do ask that, then you tell them, no, they don't. Or we'll go into level three, four, and five. I'm sure they'll be co-investing later in these additional levels. But if the group or person does not put their own money in the deal, but they have equity in the deal, 
it's certainly better than if they were just working on the deal because now they're in it, but it's still kind of weak because they have been gifted something versus they already had it and now it's theirs to lose. Exactly, which brings us to level three. So level one, they, you bring on someone experienced to work on the deal. Level two is you offer that person equity. Level three is that that team member actually invests their own capital into the deal. Yeah. When we were starting out, Ashcroft, when we were starting out, we partnered on a first couple deals with a group and they invested their own money in the deal. And they also did something else, which I won't say because you're about to get to it. And then I'll say it. It's a different level. So I've done this before with our company and it's a great way to leverage experience of others to get you where you want to go. And then depending on the relationship and where you want to take your business, maybe you continue that dynamic or maybe you evolve and don't continue it. We have not continued it. We don't need to do partnerships like that anymore. But to start out, you do what you need to do to get deals done. And certainly if you can attract a quality team member, like a property management company, like a consultant or like a broker or someone, and they invest their own money in the deal, that is powerful. That is so powerful because then you have a tremendous answer when a investor of yours who is looking at the deal says, okay, you don't have the experience. How can we know that this deal is really good? And you can say, well, we did XYZ underwriting, blah, blah, blah. But in addition to that, so-and-so, this property management group manages X number of units in this area. And oh, by the way, they love this deal so much, they're putting their own money in the deal. That's powerful. Yep. Another kind of hybrid on this, because of course, you know, it's the person putting in their own money into the deal they already have. A hybrid of this, and let me know if you've seen someone do this, but have the, the broker put their commission into the deal. Is that something that people do? Yeah, absolutely. I have on my very, very first deal, before we even formed Ashcroft, before I knew my business partner, I did that where the brokers put their own commission into the deal, $317,500 into the deal. And they became equity. I have combined 80 years of experience are putting their commission to deal because they like it so much. And then also, again, a little sidetrack from this, but also the syndicator themselves could put their acquisition fee into the deal. I know that's kind of off this alignment of interest in regard to team members, but that's another way to promote alignment of interest as you yourself putting your own capital in the deal. And one thing that happened on my very, very first deal before we formed Ashcroft and before I knew my business partner with those brokers who put the $317,500 in the deal, they pulled a fast one on me. And I want to mention this because it's interesting. It's kind of real estate 2.0. And I was at real estate 1.0 education level at the time. They said they put their own commission into the deal, which they did, but they formed an LLC And then they LLC that had the equity ownership. They then sold ownership of that LLC to people they knew. So they actually, they got most of their money out by way of bringing their own investors into the deal. Now you might consider that additional alignment of interest because now they're bringing investors into the deal and there's an additional layer of accountability, or you might consider that 
less of alignment of interest if they're shady people, which in this case they kind of were, if they do that because now they've got their own money from the commission of the deal and they simply pass it along to people who they talked to and they knew and brought them into the deal. So anything is not just surface level. We've got to like dig a little bit deeper. So that's just something to look out for. It could be a pro, it could be a con. Exactly. And based on what you just said, <laughs> level four is they have their own investors invest in the deal. Something that I forgot to mention is that a lot of these are kind of like stacked on top of each other. So it could be and or, because you just mentioned if they have their own investors investing in the deal, but they're not, or if they invest in the deal and then kind of like sell those shares to other investors, it's a little bit different than if they have their investors investing in the deal, they're investing in the deal. They obviously have equity at that point. And then they are obviously working on the deal. So as you said, there's nuances to this. And, and the way that this hierarchy works is that they're, they're stacked on top of each other. So it's they do this and this and this and this. But yeah, so level four is they bring their own investors into the deal. And that is what I was referencing when I said with Ashcroft, when we started out earlier, we not only had our property management partner invest in the deal, but then they also brought their own investors into the deal. And that's true alignment of interest got the management company on board. They've got their own investors in there and they got their own money in the deal. That's pretty powerful. And so that's whenever I said, I won't mention all of it because we're about to talk to it. That's what I was, I was referring to. I have done this in our company. We don't do it anymore. We just have a strictly third-party property management company that manages our deals. But when we got started, do what you need to do. We brought 70% of the equity, but we only got 50% of the general partnership, whatever. You do what you need to do to get the ball rolling, get your own track record, and continue to evolve. Exactly. The last level, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this one, Joe, to see where this falls in the hierarchy, but is having this team member sign on the loan. So they Mm -hmm. act as the loan guarantor in addition to a couple of these other duties. So where would you say that falls in this hierarchy of alignment of interests? I'd say you got it at the right spot. You sign on the loan, that's putting your balance sheet on the line. Even if it's non-recourse, you're saying that who you're working with will not commit fraud or gross neglect. So you are certainly vouching for their character and their work ethic. So I'd say that's up there. And it hits on the losing the $1 as well. Obviously, more than $1 in this case, but from that concept, it's 100% on that because if they're investing their own money in a deal, then they can only lose that. If they're signing on a loan, then they're obviously liable for potentially more than what they initially invested in the deal in the first place. Yeah. I mean, if it's a personal guarantee, (laughs) that's by far the highest degree of alignment of interest. If it's a non-recourse, or excuse me, if it's recourse where they're doing a personal guarantee, then by far, if it's non-recourse, then you still got it. But it's more of a safety there as the person signing on the loan. And, and for this specific way to have alignment of interest, uh, this person is called the loan guarantor. And we have a blog post where we go over the different ways a GP can make money on a deal. I think it's eight ways a general partnership makes money on a deal. And one of those eight ways we explain what the loan guarantor does. And then in this case, you're going to have to compensate them for their signing. 
So the blog post will also outline kind of the industry range for how they are compensated. So I just wanted to mention that too. Okay. So for people listening on Facebook, that's easy because Grant can put that link in the Facebook notes. But how can people who are not listening to us on Facebook right now get access to that article? If you go to the uh, thebesteverblog.com, we've got our category for passive investors. And if you're listening to it, I guess right now, it'll be one of the top posts on there. But it is eight ways the GP makes money on the deal or on an apartment. So if you just find a a title that's similar to that on the uh, passive investing category on the blog, you will find that. And it's one of the eight ways is the the guarantee fee. Yeah. And just to be clear, it's not all eight ways aren't implemented in a deal. It's just eight potential ways that the general partnership could make money. And then a general partner could mix and match those ways. Exactly. So to summarize... Level zero unlimited interest is just you yourself trying to do everything. (laughs) Good luck, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) Level one would be bringing on an experienced team member. And the team member could be a property manager, which would bring the most limited interest. The next level below that would be a consultant or a local owner who, again, is active in the specific investment strategy that you are implementing. And then below that would be a broker with, again, all three of those, the same investment strategy that you're implementing. And then level two would be to offer that team member equity in the deal. Level three is when they first have their skin in the game, which is them investing their own money in the deal. And that could be their commission or that could just be company capital. Level four would be the team member brings other investors onto the deal. So they have their own investors also investing in the deal. And as Joe mentioned, it's preferably they are investing their own money and bringing on other investors based off of your story with the broker on your first deal. And then level five is having the team member actually sign the loan. Those are the five different ways to show alignment of interests with your passive investors. Cool. Number five, have them um, guarantee the loan. Sweet. Exactly. Thank you for summarizing. I was going to ask you to summarize or I was going to try and summarize. So I appreciate that. That's helpful for everyone, especially since we transcribe these episodes and it will be nice and succinct for our best ever listeners. Whenever they read that transcription, you can read all the transcriptions for all of our past episodes by going to, is it bestevershow.com? Yeah. Bestevershow.com. Bestevershow.com. That's where all the episodes are. Cool. Perfect. So I think it's been a very powerful conversation. A lot of these strategies, you're the first time I've ever heard of these. And so they're very specific to someone who wants to become an apartment indicator. So I think this is going to be a, a powerful episode for people. And I've done them all. Now that we've done every, actually, time out. I haven't done level two. I haven't given someone equity for free. There's always been a value exchange other than just them bringing credibility. So I haven't done that, but I've done all the others in our deals. Maybe my first deal, obviously, I have to use this. I've got my, I've definitely got my, my consultant right now. I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> Can't wait to make yeah, it. And, and, and if you want to do level two with me, free <laughs> equity, then that's cool. That's fine with me. There you go. All right, everyone. So just to wrap up, make sure you guys go check out the Best Ever Community on Facebook. You can go to bestevercommunity.com. Again, this is, we've got almost, I think about about a thousand active real estate entrepreneurs on the site or posting questions and lessons daily. And then people are commenting below there. But in specific for us, we post a question every single week, as you guys know. 
And if you guys leave a response to that. Guys and girls. Guys and girls. If you guys leave a response to that, then we will create a blog post and we will mention your response to the question. This week, the question is, how important is it to have written goals for your real estate business? Is that a rhetorical question? I mean, come on. Come on. Is that really our question of the week? It's important. Usually what happens when we ask these questions is people will go and explain their process of setting goals. Okay. Do they have like a board like you do in the back? Things like that. So it'll most likely be a blog post on the variety of ways to set goals. For example, what I do is I've got a little note card with a month and then three to five things that I need to accomplish that month. So I'm looking at it every single day. And so it's kind of difficult to not accomplish those goals. How do you document your goals so that they are top of mind? That would be a good one. Yeah, it's important to have goals. Grant, you're listening. Go ahead and uh, edit that (laughs) right now. So yeah, make sure you guys go there, answer the question, and we will include you in the blog next week. And then to wrap up, as always, please go on to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review for your opportunity to be the review of the week. I really enjoy reading these reviews, by the way. I enjoy hearing them. I always get excited when it's part of the podcast. You have a different voice whenever you do it. It's like a, um, a, a like you're doing a commercial or something, a voiceover <laughs> for a commercial. I enjoy that. <laughs> this week, we've got a review from Not In The Loop On Game Day is the person's name. So I'm not necessarily <laughs> sure what that means. But <laughs> that, that means that person doesn't do sports. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the header was great not too long. They said, really enjoy this one. BP, bigger pockets, is great also, but I feel like Joe nails the questions on his show. And his guests are forced to divulge the good, the bad, and the ugly of real estate investing. I like hearing the stories about the mistakes that the guests have made in the past because all too often, real estate investors fail to mention any of that on other shows. I can get two episodes in on my commute to work, and it usually gives me more than enough to chew on throughout the day. So lots of positive feedback in that one. Yeah, well, thank you for that feedback. And I think that's what it's all about, just identifying a thing or two that you can chew on for the rest of the day that perhaps once you think about it longer – should be implemented in your business or shouldn't be. I don't know. It just depends. We've got a daily podcast, so there's lots of ideas coming at you. That's one of the main benefits that the podcast gives me personally is the exposure to different business models on a frequent basis. And some, I always learn something from every episode. So thanks for that. And please, everyone, continue to leave the reviews. Helps us continue to attract high-quality guests. So thanks again for spending some time with us. If you're in apartment investing and looking to go larger, or if you're a passive investor, I'm confident that this was a good use of your time. And if you're not, then I'm sure you picked something up along the way. And we will talk to you tomorrow. You looking for a one-stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever. Adam Adams has one of the most active meetup groups in the world. I've personally been to one of his meetups and Adam packed that house with over 80 investors at lunch and another 60 on the waiting list. 
Find out the exact six things he did to create one of the top meetups on the planet by texting the word meetup to 555 888.